and for God's holy, infallible, and inerrant word remain standing, please, let's give our full attention to the reading and the preaching of it. A very familiar text this morning as we conclude our Lenten season of a study of the Psalms. Psalm 23, hear now the very word of God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have included this psalm in your holy word for us even this day, that we have a great shepherd who binds us closely in his gripped hand in the hand of the Father, doubly joined forever and ever. And from there, no one can snatch us. As we give our attention now to the reading and the preaching of your word, seal that to our minds this resurrection day, we pray that you sent your Son to do this very work for us, to secure this very work for us. Seal it to us now, Lord, we ask, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Please, friends, be seated. It's nice having somebody as short as me. I don't have to move the microphone. It's good to be together this morning. Uh, it is a, a most blessed of days. I mean, we know that every Sunday, you know, the, the church is always celebrated, come together on Sunday because it's Easter. I mean, each and every Sunday uh, when we come together, we remember the fact that uh, we celebrate the Lord is risen. He's risen indeed every, every Sunday, but it's good to have uh, one Sunday a year where we remind ourselves that that's why we do this every week, uh, that the Lord is risen. This is uh, such a central, it is the central tenet uh, of the Christian faith. Uh, you know, every Easter service um, which are, by the way, not the easiest of sermons to prepare for the preacher. Uh, you may think like, man, you got to hit it out of the park. Sometimes you feel that way, you know, like every Easter sermon has got to be a home run. You, you feel like I've got to defend the resurrection. I got to bring in all of these truths, everything. So as we come together, there's, uh, you know, certain expectations and things that go in our mind on an Easter. Uh, but I'm going to go in a little bit different direction this morning because this is such an important day. It's such a familiar sort of theme. Uh, and I wanted to bring in one of the most familiar pieces of Scripture, uh, Psalm 23. Uh, and and can, uh, sort of contend, contend with you. That's not the right word. That sounds too adversarial. Uh, but to uh, to think with you about the importance of Easter for the truth of Psalm 23. 
Psalm 23 is, is one of those passages that, you know, whether you are a, a follower of Jesus or not, you know and you probably love. Uh, you, you love for its poetry. Uh, you love it for its imagery. Uh, you, you love it because of some of the hope and comfort that you draw from it just by hearing the words. But this morning, as we celebrate a risen Christ, and I'll just say, incidentally, a, you know, the fact that Jesus is risen is one of the best attested facts, uh, you know, in our culture. I mean, we, we believe things like Homer wrote the Odyssey that are far less attested uh, than, than the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. But it's that fact that Jesus rose from the dead that gives meaning to Psalm 23. We're, we're celebrating a risen Lord, and it's the risen Lord who is our shepherd. It's the risen Lord that gives us comfort. And we all come in needing that because, you know, there are various ways in which the journey of our lives uh, takes us uh, in, in deep valleys, dark places, we, we struggle uh, to, to find our way. Uh, we struggle uh, for comfort and refreshment along the way. And these are all things that are promised here in this psalm. So let's, let's dive into it again. Familiar words. Let me see if I can help us draw some things out and then draw some things together. So first of all, the risen Lord. And I didn't have that in the outline originally, so those of you that are note takers, make a little arrow, put it in. The risen Lord is my shepherd. There's, a, you know, there's so many things about this as we come to it. We, we bring our own notion of, of sheep and shepherds. I don't know what you think of when you think of that. Maybe some of you have been to Ireland in these you know, wonderful green fields where there are shepherds and sheep. Or maybe you, you think of the rolling hills of Kentucky you know, with these meadows and uh, you know, sheep grazing there. Or maybe you think of you know, driving down 131 and seeing a sheep on the side of the road. Very different picture than the desert. Uh, some of you have been to the Holy Land. I have not. Uh, but you know that the Middle East is not Kentucky. Uh, the Middle East is a, a very different climate, a very different uh, way of shepherding. Uh, so our pictures of these meadows and the pictures of this idyllic stream running through that are, are probably not uh, what David had experienced as he wrote this psalm as the, uh, a shepherd himself. Uh, it was very much a battle there to, to keep sheep alive and to, to move them through. Not only are sheep recalcitrant, uh, sort of dumb creatures who, who want to fight against being led. Anybody relate to that? Uh, oh, Don Levy. So uh, he's the only one. <laughs> Uh, 
we, uh, we can relate to that, but the, the terrain was difficult, and so the shepherd, you know, was actively looking for grass, you know, grass that would come up, was actively looking for water, water that would come in streams and wadis after rains, and uh, it, it was an active thing. So that's the kind of shepherd that we're thinking about, and those are the kind of sheep, and that's the kind of journey. So let me just highlight a couple of things, and I, I put them all in P's so that I could remember them. You know, we, it's not for you, it's for me. Uh, the first thing is this. I mean, the, the shepherd finds the path. The shepherd guides us. He, he leads us. We see that in verses 2 and 3. Uh, he, he finds the place where we are to go as the sheep. Now, that's incredibly comforting, right? Because oftentimes I have no idea where I'm going or where I should go in life. And so the idea that there is a shepherd who leads me is something that is, is so encouraging. He knows the path that I am to trod. And he leads me into the places. Now, the difficult thing is, is that there is a mixture of places, right? There, is, uh, there, are there are green pastures, there are still waters, there are paths of righteousness. But there is also the ravines. Uh, and that's probably, when we talk about the valley of the shadow of death, you know, there were deep canyons in the, the landscape of the Middle East that you would walk down through and the shadow would be there. Uh, and they were frightening places. This is, those of you who know Jesus' uh, story of the Good Samaritan, this is the type of place where you would get assailed by robbers in these types of canyons. Uh, and, and these are the places where in the shadow the wild beasts lurked, and that oftentimes is our path. Uh, there is a path. Our shepherd knows it. It takes us beside still waters. It takes us beside green pastures, but it also at times takes us through uh, the valley of the shadow of death. But he's doing it for a purpose, and that is to provide provision for us. Uh, he knows that we can't stay still. Uh, if we stay still, the grass will be gone. There's not that much to begin with. Uh, we'll eat through it, so we got to keep moving. Uh, the water moves around. The, the stream beds dry up. They reappear in different places, and so we've got to keep moving to, to find these things. Uh, but that's the goal of the shepherd. The shepherd is providing for you. The shepherd is providing for me. He is leading us in the places that we need to go. Now, sometimes that's difficult, right? Again, can we avoid the valley? Can we avoid these canyons? Can we avoid the ravine? Sometimes the answer to that is no. You have to go through this ravine in order that you might find provision. You have to uh, brave the beast. You have to brave the, the robbers in order that we might find green pasture, in order that we might find 
flowing waters. But though we walk through these places, always He is protecting us. So we've got the path, we've got provision, and we've got protection. Uh, you see it in a number of places throughout here, right? In the presence of my enemies, verse 6, uh, he prepares this table before us. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the ravine where there are robbers and beasts and all of these things, he is with us, he's protecting us. Uh, he lets us, makes us lie down in green pastures, though they too you know, in those days, uh, we're ringed about with enemies. Uh, He's watching over us. He is the good shepherd that protects and takes care of the sheep. Sometimes he protects the sheep from themselves. Uh, These sheep would, you know, fall down and they couldn't get up. Uh, These sheep uh, were prone to disease. You know, there were flies and all of that. Some of that has to do with some of the ointment that we see in this psalm. But the good shepherd was always protecting his sheep, protecting them from threats outside, protecting them from their own own internal struggles. Uh, That is part of the role of the shepherd. And as I've already alluded to, you know, so much of this protection comes because of the fourth P, his presence. The the shepherd, the, the true shepherd, the good shepherd, he walks with his sheep. He he doesn't leave their side. Uh, he, he stays with them when they come to pasture or to a corral for the evening. He lays down at the doorway so that no evil beasts can get in. It's his presence moving in and among them. The sheep know his name. It's his presence that protects and provides and and leads them on the way. This is why, right, we love this psalm. Because we so clearly see our lives. I mean, David has taken his own experience uh, as a shepherd with sheep, and he, you know, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, has just beautifully crafted this psalm so that we could see how it is that we walk, you know, the places where we find ourselves, places of abundance, places that are dangerous, places of of sorrow and desolation. We, We see so clearly, but yet there's so much hope here. Because we, we recognize that, that we are being led by a shepherd to places that are good. That, that are meant for our sustenance. That are meant for our, our growth. That are meant for our, uh, for our prosperity and for our flourishing. We are being protected along the way from enemies that we know. I mean, think about sheep, right? Uh, sheep don't even know half the time the, the dangers that they face. You know, again, that recalcitrance, they're wanting to go in their own way. They don't realize 
that the wolf and the bear and the lion lie outside. They don't realize that if they don't get something to drink, they will die. They don't realize that these flies are causing uh, disease for them and the shepherd needs to come in and needs to protect them. And, and we are so like that. You know, if we're honest, we, we can say, Lord, I, I love you even more for the things that I don't know that you are doing for me than for the things that I do recognize that you have done for me. I don't know where your journey is. I think this is one of the reasons why Psalm 23 is so beloved. You know, it's just got such concrete imagery, but it's imagery that connects with all of us. Because the one thing that I can say about everybody here is you're all on a journey. You are all on a journey that is leading you sometimes beside green pastures, but sometimes it's through the valley of the shadow of death. And our hope this morning is that the risen Lord is our shepherd. The risen Lord is our shepherd, and he is the one that is leading us and guiding us because what's the alternative? The alternative is, you know, we're leading ourselves. I, I don't have a lot of confidence in myself, and you shouldn't have a lot of confidence in me either simply as a man. Right? Or, or, or the, the, the alternative is that there's just simply no meaning to life. You know, we just go from green pasture to, uh, to these dark valleys, but there's really no meaning to any of it. We just experience things and then we die game over. But the picture here is one that is ultimately so much more hopeful and so much more beautiful, I would suggest to you, than any other story, any other narrative that is offered. I want to mention just one more thing about this before we move on to the second point. The Lord is our shepherd. He's painting a picture. I had to put it in P's. I get double points for that one in categories. Uh, painting the picture. You know, I love at the beginning of verse 3 where it said, He restores my soul. I don't know a lot about art, and I know even less about art restoration. But I'm really fascinated by it. You know, we saw Notre Dame burn in the last, was that this week? Uh, with, with this week, we, we saw that, and of course, people were worried about the art there and, and what would happen. You know, I'm sure some of it has had smoke damage and all of that. You know, there, there's these folks that are art restorers who are just incredibly good at their, at their craft. You know, they, they stop the damage uh, that is happening to a piece of art, and then, you know, through various chemicals and through skill they're able to you know bring back the medium to life and they're they're able to to match and and restore and make beautiful sometimes even more beautiful improve upon a masterpiece 
And when I, when I hear this and I, and I see this risen Lord who is our shepherd, you realize what it's all about, right? We are his masterpiece. You are the masterpiece of the Lord. But we've been damaged. You know, guilt and shame and, you know, all of these things that have collected to us because the fires have ravaged in our life and in our soul. But the picture is, you know, one of a master restorer. He restores our souls. You know, all of the places where the guilt and the shame lie, and you know how heavy that is, right? I mean, this morning, I know, like me, many of you have come, you know, with the shame of sin just pushing down on us. But the promise is there's a master restorer who is restoring us. Now, how? How does he do that? Well, this is where, and I think, you know, part of this, uh, as you look at Psalm 22, Psalm 23, even Psalm 24, we're not used to sort of reading the Psalms sequentially Uh, in the sense that we don't always see the connection one to the other. But we looked at Psalm 22 on uh, Thursday night, and we saw in there uh, the sufferer, the lamenter, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we recognize that, you know, though it was originally a lament that rose from David's lips, it was ultimately taken on by Christ himself. And one of the things that we see here is that the sufferer of Psalm 22 has become uh, the contented sheep of Psalm 23. It's really a remarkable picture here. And one of the ways that we recognize this this is true is because not only is the risen Lord our shepherd, but the risen Lord is our lamb. The risen Lord is the one who is the sufferer of Psalm 22, and he himself walked the path. He himself walked the path from the green pastures through the valley of the shadow of death. He walked the path of the cross all the way to the very abyss of hell itself. So he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, the answer is this. He knew that he had to be forsaken as the lamb so that he could set us free as the shepherd. He had to be uh, cast off as the sacrifice in order that we could be collected into the sanctuary of the living God. He walked the path that we could not walk on ourselves. He gave himself up to the enemy so that by his willing self-sacrifice, he could seal our protection 
You know, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's the deepness of God, right? Where giving himself up seals the protection for all of us. He became our provision because he knows that we hunger and thirst at a soul level. We hunger and thirst at a soul level. As we see the table laid before us, we recognize that it was Christ who said, I will become their food and their drink. That will give them up to life. The table that he sets in front of us is none other than his sacrifice. And this is what seals to us the forever nature of it. I mean, this, these were not just merely in time sort of events of Jesus' life. But this was for all eternity. This was reaching our deepest needs at at its core. I love the way that uh, it is put in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, reading through 15 and 17. Therefore, they are before the throne of God, right, forever. And they serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. You see some of these same themes, right, protection, presence. They shall hunger no more. They are provided for. Neither shall they thirst any more, led by the streams of living water. The sun shall not strike them, nor any, uh, nor any scorching heat. Why? Listen to verse 17. For the Lamb in the midst of their throne will be their shepherd. The Lamb has become our shepherd, and he will guide us to springs of living water, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Brothers and sisters, one of the oldest, most beautiful, most beloved psalms, you know, the English language can't even really do it justice, it's so beautiful. But here's the thing, it's most beautiful because it's true. It's most beautiful because the Lamb has become our shepherd and He is risen. There's an old story, it's told in lots of different places in lots of different ways, maybe it has a kernel of truth in it at some time in some place, but the point is so clear. Young man came back from college uh, to his hometown. He had become a renowned actor, uh, and everybody was excited to, to see this guy, you know, back in his hometown. And uh, they all gathered together, and uh, they wanted him to say something, you know, perform something for us, recite something for us. So he said, what about Psalm 23? And he gets up and he, in all of his Shakespearean splendor, uh, recites with grand oratory, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And he goes through the psalm and at the end, 
the crowd is taken. And there's wild applause for this one of their own. What skill, what beauty, what command this young man has. In the meantime, another one of their own, an older man, gets up. And he walks onto the stage. People notice him. They begin to get quiet. And he too starts to recite Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The response was very different, but no less profound. People were weeping as he recited the psalm. And when he was done, the young actor went to the old man and he said, how did you do that? I mean, I've, I've been practicing this, you know, my entire life and I've, I've never had that kind of effect on an audience. And the old man looked at him and he said, you know the psalm but I know the shepherd. As we come to the end of this psalm, the invitation is to own the word my. The Lord is my shepherd. No matter where you've been in life to this point, no matter the guilt, the shame, no matter the, the joy, the difficulty, it is a psalm for all times and for all people because the Lamb is our shepherd. He is risen. Amen. Father, we pray that it would not be just the ears the ears of our head that are hearing words this morning, but we pray that it would be the ears of our hearts. We thank you and we give you praise for the promises of this psalm. We thank you and give you praise that you, the Lamb, have become our shepherd. And we pray now as we come to this table uh, that you have prepared in the presence of our enemies we pray that your cup would run over with blessings. We pray that the bread that we take would nourish us to our very core. And we pray that your name would be lifted high. So set aside these elements, we pray, for that work. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.